If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to with me, uh, to the book of Job. And so we're going to spend six weeks in the book of Job. I've entitled this message, Overwhelmed, or this series, Overwhelmed. There's six messages. I'm preaching five of them. Pastor Dwayne is going to preach one of them. I'll explain to you in a few minutes why I've picked this book and why I think this book is so important. Uh, but I am looking forward going through. We'll, we'll cover the entire, entire book and the major themes of, of the book of Job as we gather together for the next six weeks and, and look at that. But while you're finding your place in Scripture, either clicking to, turning to, if you don't have that, no worries. The Scripture's going to come up on the screens in a few moments. Let me tell you a story. There's this lady that was going through a really, really difficult time, and it was like a crisis in her life. And so because of that, she like lost her joy. She lost her happiness. And so she was really struggling in life, and so she wanted to get her joy and her happiness back. And so she's talking to her girlfriend, and, 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 uh, and they're talking about this whole issue. And so she's talking about she needs her joy back. And so her friend looks at her and says, well, you know what? I was reading somewhere. And I think this is what you ought to do because I've always told you, you look a lot younger than you really are. So I think what you should do is, is just when you're out in public and go around, just ask someone, hey, how old do you think I am? And then when they tell you your age and you realize that, and they realize you're, you look uh, younger than you actually are, your, your joy is going to come back and your happiness and you're going to feel better about yourself. And she says, I actually read this in an article. I think you should try it. So the lady was pretty down and out and lost her joy and happiness. And she says, you know what? I might as well give it a try. So she went, went to the store. She looked at this clerk and she asked this clerk, she says, excuse me, sir, how old do you think I am? He looked at her and says, well, ma'am, I, I think you're 35 years of age. And she says, I'm 47. I'm 47 years of age. He said, that's amazing. You don't look a day over 35. That's amazing. You're like, way to go. And so she walked away from that and says, you know what? I actually feel better about myself. I mean, that's amazing. And so she went to McDonald's. And so she went up to like the front of the line and looked at the cashier, the clerk, and said, excuse me, young man, how old do you think I am? And he looked at her and says, well, ma'am, I, I think you're 29. She said, that's amazing. I'm 47 years old. And the, 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 the young man looked at her and says, I, I am not believing that. I mean, you look 29. That's amazing. She walked away from lunch at McDonald's, and she was feeling even better about herself. And she says, this is amazing. This is awesome. And she walked over to the bus stop. And at the bus, bus stop, there was this elder, elderly gentleman was there. And he was waiting for a bus. And so she walked up to him, and she says, you know what? I think I'll give it a try. And so she looked at him and said, excuse me, sir, how old do you think I am? He goes, well, I don't have to guess. I can tell you your exact age. She said, my exact age? He says, yeah, your exact age. He says, I've, I've got a system. I mean, I can, I, I can tell you your, your exact age. It's not a guess. And so she says, okay. He goes, well, I'll, I'll need to kiss you first. <laughs> She's like, what? He goes, yeah, if I kiss you, I can tell you your exact age. She said, exact age? She said, yeah, exact age. She said, okay. She looked around like there's nobody around. She said, I'll give it a try. So she kisses him. He looks at her and says, ma'am, you're 47 years of age. She said, that's amazing. Like how, I, I'm not even believing this. How did you do that? How do you know? She said, ma'am, I, I was standing in line behind you at McDonald's <laughs> just a few minutes ago. <laughs> Sometimes we'll do the craziest things, right? Sometimes when we're in crisis, sometimes when we're struggling, sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we'll do the craziest things to try to get our joy back, try to get our happiness back. And it may be temporary, it may, be, it may last for a while, but in the end, 
It doesn't really work. When we started this journey together in March, and, and I, I started talking to you just, just something that, that, that I felt the Lord had given me, that what we were going through was like a perfect storm. A perfect storm is something that comes up sudden. It's three storms, three massive storms that like converge together. It's unexpected. Um, it's difficult. It's horrendous. All of these things. And, and I was like, you know what? We're going through a perfect storm, a global recession, a global racism, uh, and then a global pandemic. And it's like, it is like navigating through a perfect storm. So I started asking this question before, as I was ending the series last week, and, well, actually before that, I started asking the question, is there anybody in scripture that have gone through a perfect storm? And if we're going through a perfect storm, then shouldn't we learn from someone that has navigated through a perfect, perfect storm? And you know who that is? That's Job. I mean, Job navigated through a perfect storm. I mean, when you look at his life, in case you don't know about Job, he had to deal with, with a health issue, a health crisis in his life. He lost his possessions. He lost his income. He lost everything. And he lost his children. And it was like sudden. And we're going to read that in Scripture. And all of a sudden, we realize, guess what? There's two people, Job and, and Mrs. Job, because we don't know her first name. And so Job and Mrs. Mrs. Job went through a perfect storm. Oh, and they went through it differently. Totally differently. Remember last week when we ended the series, Love in Action, my last message in that series was my anxieties. And I talked to you about that if you live in the world and if you live in the land of what if, what if this happens? What if, what, what if this happens? What if it goes down like this? What if my worst fears come true? What if the pandemic gets worse? What if the economy crashes? What if we have a famine? What if, what if we have, you know, what if my political party, my political person does not get elected? What if I get sick? What if a loved one gets sick? What if I walk, what if, what if, what if? And I told you that if you live in the land of what if, what if will feed your worries? What if will feed your anxieties? And you will never have real peace. You will never have real joy. And all of a sudden, you look at Job's life and you realize that Mrs. Job, she lived in the land of what if. She just lived in the land of what if, and she didn't navigate very well through it. But you look at Job, and Job came out of the perfect storm, not bitter, but better. There's so many people, I'm so worried about tribalism in the U.S., and unless you're in my tribe, we can't even be friends. I can't even pray for you, even if we're spiritually connected, if you don't agree with me then I have the right to trash you. I have the right to degrade you. I have the right to judge you. When you live in the land of what if, if you're not careful, it'll make you angry, it'll make you judgmental, it'll make you bitter. But Job, see, Job, Job didn't live in the land of what if. You know where Job lived? Even though. His trust was in a different place. Even though my worst fears come true, I will trust him. Even though it goes down like this, I will trust him. Even though, even though the pandemic gets worse, I will trust Even though my political party, my political person does not get elected into office, I will trust him. Because my trust, my foundation isn't in a person, it isn't in things, it isn't of this world. My hope, my trust is in Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's going to be still on the throne regardless that he's still sovereign, he's still in control. See, Job lived in the even though world. Satan would love to do nothing more. We're going to see this. Satan would do, love nothing more to continually whisper in your ear, what if, what if, what if, and it will destroy you if you will allow it. 
If you don't take control of your thoughts and you don't take control of your mind, see, Job, Job walked through a pandemic, and I'm telling you, I've gleaned and learned so much, and I'm praying that not only does this message either challenge you or bless you, that something happens in the midst of studying Job, that we learn to live even though lives. Job chapter 1, verse 1, we're just going to read through this. I have, of course, I have three points for you because uh, that's just the way it works. And, and um, so, here, so verse 1, Job chapter 1, verse 1. There is a man in the land of Uz whose name uh, was Job, and that man was, this is important, blameless and upright. One who feared God turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons, three daughters. He possessed seven sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. Very many servants, so that, so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the east. So the land of Uz is like the modern-day boundary somewhere between Saudi Arabia and Iraq. And, and so when, it, when the scriptures, verse 1, and I, I kind of pointed it out, but in the scriptures when it says blameless and up, upright, Blameless doesn't mean he was without sin. Blameless doesn't mean he was perfect. Blameless simply means this. He was a wholehearted follower of God. Even though he put all of his trust. He wasn't, bl- he wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. But I mean this man wholeheartedly with his whole being followed God. The, the term blameless and upright, upright meant this. That he stayed in right relation with fellow man. He was in right relation with people. I mean, he, I mean, he had influence. He, he understood what it meant to be a God follower. He understood that to be a God follower, it's right relationship with God, and then it's right relationship with people. And then he was a devoted, wealth, uh, he was a devoted worshiper. He was, he was wealthy. Uh, he was influential. Uh, he lo- loved his family deeply, verse 4. So his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, and thus Job did continually. See, Job was a devoted father. He was a devoted husband. He was a devoted father. He loved his kids. His kids were living in a little bit of rebellion and so, but you know what? He, he cared so deeply for them. He was continually taking them to church. He was continually entering into worship for, with them, praying for them, encouraging them. Job was always concerned about them. This was the type of man that Job was. And so I have three points, three principles for you this morning that we should learn about this issue, how to navigate, how to walk through a pandemic. The first thing is this, you just got to understand, and I got to understand, life isn't fair, so don't expect it to be. There's something about us, right? We expect life to be fair. We, ex- we, we just kind of expect that. I, I don't know if that's the fallen nature. I don't know if that's the human nature. I don't know if it matters, but I just know there's something about us that we really believe that life Life should be fair. And I was reminded of this in a, in a horrible way on Thursday. I received one of those phone calls. It was one of those phone calls that I don't know if you've gotten a phone call like that to where it took, it, 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 it was just hard to process the information that was coming in. It was so emotional. It was just hard to, hard to wrap your head around. A, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Kenny Comstock, he pastors a great church, uh, Crossroads Church, Odessa, Texas. Uh, they're a 
global leadership summit simulcast. We're a global leadership simulcast. And so twice a year, uh, we would be either Chicago or Florida together. And, and usually Karen and I would have, have dinner with him, and we knew him. And I mean, Kenny Comstock, the best of the best. I mean, he's one of those pastors that just, just good as gold. I mean, good as church loves him. The church is growing. He's, you know, he's he, three young kids. His wife is Melissa. They were on vacation. They were traveling right outside of, of Santa Fe. They're on a two-lane road. I think they were coming back from hiking with the family. All of a sudden, oncoming car drifted over into their lane, hit Kenny's car head on. Kenny was tragically killed like immediately. Melissa, his wife, died after a few minutes of them getting her to the hospital. Three kids, three kids under the age of eight. Today are trying to figure out how to navigate life without a mom and dad. Their church, and I'm telling you, we need to pray for them. Crossroads Church, I have a close friend that's going in, actually is there and going to help them mourn the loss of Kenny. He's the best of the best. I mean, he's good as gold. And I'm telling you, when I, when I heard the news, I'm like, I, I, I don't even understand this. And a lot of times when tragedy hits, we start asking those questions like, why? I mean, I, I don't understand this. Why, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to them? They didn't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And you know what? Sometimes we make the mistake of doing. We start looking around and say, well, you know what? I know some people who are more sinful lead worse lives than they do, and it seems like everything's going well for them. See, there's the issue of suffering. You know what suffering does to us? Suffering often offends our sense of justice. It just, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't seem fair. I mean, but we know this, right? Good people suffer. I mean, when you look at Job's life, Job was the best of the best. Job was a great guy, and yet bad things happened to him. And yet he suffered. Listen, let me just tell you, no matter how good you are, you're not exempt from suffering. I'm not exempt from suffering just because I'm a pastor, right? We have suffered. My family has suffered. We've had tragic news. We've had difficult news. We've walked through difficult times. We've walked through challenging circumstances. And so life isn't fair. So don't expect it to be. I mean, if, if, if you expect life to be fair, you're going to live in a what-if world. You're going to live in a what-if world, and you're going to live a discouraged life to where you're just going to kind of be angry, and you're going to kind of be frustrated. Pain, what Scripture tells us, pain is not distributed in proportion to the amount of sin in a person's life. I mean, Jesus cleared that up, right? Jesus is the one that says it rains on the just and the unjust. He's just talking about this issue of, of suffering and difficult. Listen, if, if, if the righteous... If the righteous were exempted from pain or exempted from bad things happening to them, then her motivation for obedience would be totally selfish. Listen, if you think, if you think life is supposed to be fair and you're still in that camp, then just go home, read the Gospels. The Gospels should, like, destroy that false belief. Look at the life of Christ. The cross should, like, destroy that belief. So the first thing is this, that if you're going to navigate through a, a perfect storm, you have to come to the place where you say, you know what, life, life isn't perfect. We live in a fallen world. Sin came into this world through Adam. Uh, my sin, your sin, the sin of this world, we live in a fallen world. Second thing is this, is that you, if, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not even to that point yet. I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> sorry to confuse you guys running the slides. Verse 6 in Job chapter 1. <laughs> 
Now there was a day when the, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from, from, where, from, where, where, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So the Bible tells us that Satan, like a roaring lion, like he's running around the, the earth and he's the prince of the world. He's the accuser of the brethren. He brings accusations against God people. See, that's why it was so important for Job. He was blameless and upright. That's why it's so dangerous for Christians when we're bringing accusations against conspiracy and all this, when we're being accusations against other believers, other people. Verse 8, so the Lord said to Satan, crazy, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? I, I never forget when like I was a new Christian, I'm reading this story for the first time and I get to this question when, when God asked Satan, hey, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, I, I breathe like an immediate prayer. Hey, God, if you're ever having a conversation with Satan again, do not bring up my name, right? <laughs> do not say, hey, have you considered my servant Charlie? Leave my, just leave my name out of it. So, <laughs> so verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, huge question. That, guess what? Every one of us has to saddle in a perfect storm, a pandemic crisis. Does Job fear God for no reason? Huge question for each one of us. Would you serve God for nothing? Would you continue to serve God if he didn't bless you? Would you continue to serve him if things did not work out well for you? Would you serve him when things are awkward and difficult? And would you serve him when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through difficulty and you have questions? See, it's like a huge question for us. Are you pursuing God for the blessings or for him? I mean, when you look at this, I mean, this is a major question. And listen, every one of us has to settle this for ourselves in a perfect storm, in a global pandemic and global recession and, and global racism. I mean, it's just, it's just what we're going through. Verse 10, have you not put a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side. So Satan asked another question. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand, touch all he has, and he will curse you to your face. So J Satan is betting that, hey, God, only reason, only reason that man's following you, only reason is because you're blessing him, only reason is because everything's going his way. He's wealthy, he's influential, he's a great family. Things, things are working out with well for him. Satan, the originator of sin, is the one that is wondering that if Job's in it for the right reasons. Second principle is this. Now we're there. God is in control of your life, so trust him. God is in control of your life, so trust him, even though. I mean, even though, even though I go through difficult circumstances, even though I go through challenging times, guess what? God is in control of my life, and as a result of that, I can trust him. When you look at this, Job is, God is still in control of Job's life. 
but he places limits on the things that can happen to him. I mean, there had to, Satan had to get permission to do some things, and, and the things that came into Job's life were sifted through the hands of God, were sifted through him, where he gave permission. Listen, if you're a what-if person, it will always be difficult for you to trust him. You will live with worries. You will live with anxiety. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you look at this issue. See, this was the problem of Mrs. Job, right? She lived in a what-if place. But not Job. Not Job. Listen, your suffering and my suffering does not mean God is, like, mad at you. God is upset with you. God is punishing you. God may be lovingly putting you in a position of desperation so you'll finally come to the place and understand where you put your trust in temporal things, in earthly things. And you come to this place and move from a what if to an even though. To where you understand that, you know what, even though, even though I go through the worst stuff of my life, I'm going to trust him. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him, do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Psalm 34, 18 talks about this issue. And, and, and listen, God knows. So let me just tell you. Just like in Job's life, God knew everything that Job was going. He was involved in his life. And can I just tell you this? When you're going through a perfect storm, when you're going through difficulty, God knows everything you're going through. And that may not help you understand. But it should help you to know God is with you. God is close to you. I mean, he never answered this question, why, in Job's life. Never. But Psalm 34, 18 tells us this. It says, the Lord is, is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And God was aware of everything that Job was walking through. And guess what? You right now, God's aware of everything that you're walking through. Even if the people in your home do not even know. Even if some people closest to you, you've never told them, you never said, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, this is my fears, this is what I'm walking through, you may have never told a friend, you may have never told a loved one, you may have never, but can I just tell you this? God knows. God knows, God knows your fears, he knows your hurts, he knows your pain, he knows your crisis, he knows your challenges, and, and sometimes God allows us to go through pain, uh, to mature us, to, to, to be able to comfort others, the same way that he comforted us through crisis. And then sometimes he allows us to go through pain and crisis to test us and not to destroy us. We'll understand that. Well, here's what James says. James says in James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under a trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but a test is not given to destroy someone. A test is given to help someone. A test is given to prove someone. Fact is, if engineers design like uh, a bridge in our city, and then once the construction is completed, then they're going to have to do something called a load test. They're going to have to test the bridge. They're going to have to, whatever that bridge is like designed for, however much that weight is, they're going to put that much weight on the bridge, not to destroy the bridge, not to crumble the bridge, but to prove that the bridge is worthy, to prove that the bridge is safe. And the same is true as about God. God takes us sometimes through a test, not to destroy us, not to hurt us, but to help us, to prove that we're genuine, to prove that we have put our trust in him, to, to help us to where we know, you know what, if I can withstand that, then I could probably withstand something else. 
And so when you look at this, God gave Satan permission. Watch this, verse 13. Now, there was a day. So all of a sudden, the perfect storm hits, and, and, and it just hits. And it's unexpected. That's why the title of this message is, When the Unexpected Happens. Uh, now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's home. And there came a, a, a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and, and, and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell upon heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. All of a sudden, Job's life certainly, suddenly made a change. That's why the title of this match is When the Unexpected Happens. Job probably got up that morning, had his coffee, uh, ate breakfast, and thought today was going to be like any other day. It was going to be another Monday, just going to be another Tuesday. And all of a sudden, the unexpected happened in one phone call, one text message after another, that this is what is going down, uh, down, this is what's happening. And all of a sudden, Job's life, the perfect storm hit, three storms coming together. There's still more to come. We'll see this. And his life begins to fall apart. Job, you know what? On Sunday was worth millions. On Monday, because of this, he went from being worth millions to being penniless. But it wasn't the worst. You ever made the mistake of saying, when you're in a crisis, this is the worst thing I'll ever go through in my life? You don't know that until you've lived all of your life. But it gets worse. Verse 18, while he was yet speaking. So when, in, just, in the Hebrew language, when you see this phrase, while he was yet speaking, that's just, that, that is how in the Hebrew language they would communicate. It was one crisis after another. Even though we took a break, it was one text message after another. Like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the, the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I don't know. But I, I just think the worst thing to ever happen. It would be to lose a child. To see your child hurt. It may have really troubled Job because his kids were they're partying at the time. And he may have wondered if they were right with God where they'd spend eternity. Now we'll find out later at the end of the book and we get to do that because we get to read ahead. Job can't or couldn't. We find out they spend eternity with the Father. But look at his reaction. Because remember, he, he lived in an even-though world. Not a what-if. Even-though. Then Job arose, tore, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin or 
charge God with even with any uh, charge God with with wrong and he mourned and he grieved and he worshiped he lived in an even though world just an even though world the third and the last thing is this is everything I have belongs to God so worship him when you live in an even though world you understand where you placed your faith where you placed your trust and you understand that guess what everything I have it really belongs with God for to God I mean I it is like on loan I stored his resources and Job, listen, Job is not praising God for the circumstances. He's praising in spite of the circumstances. You ever do that? I've been in a crisis, and I've come to church, and I've stood, and I have praised him, not for the situation, the circumstances that I'm walking through. I have praised him, praised him in spite of what I'm walking through. Because even though, even though I will trust him, even though I will follow him, Verse, verse 3 in Job chapter 2, the story just goes on and says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, so there, that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright? So this is chapter 2. God's still saying the same thing about Job that he said about Job in chapter 1, so it's like nothing's changed. Who fears God, turn away from evil. He still holds. So it's, that's, we don't even have time for this. That's such a powerful statement that God made about Job. He still holds fast his integrity. Even in the midst of that, even though he still, he, he still trusts me. Although you incited me against him to destroy him with, without reason, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for sin, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to, his, to your face. And Job, Job still had not reached the, like the worst of his struggle. But listen, Satan is not all-knowing. Satan didn't know he had already played his trump card. You cannot hurt a parent more than taking their children. There's no way. And now he, now he takes his health, but he placed his limits on it. Verse 6, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, stroked struck Job with loathsome sores and from sole of his foot to the crown of his head and he took a piece of broken pottery which to scrape himself while he sat in ashes and now all of a sudden it, it is a, in, his pain is just physical and it's intent and now listen now he's going to have relational problems isn't that true in a perfect storm there will be relational problems why because everybody approaches it differently I am so concerned about the divide that's going on right now of tribalism. Unless you're in my tribe, doesn't matter if we're connected spiritually. I will judge you. I will even question your Christianity. And I'm listening, I'm talking to parents and families that says, you know what, our family is becoming divided over this whole deal. That's why when we went into this together, we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to show grace to one another. We're going to show grace. We're going to understand everybody's emotional. And everybody may not agree with everything, but we're going to show grace to one another. Why? Because we will be blameless and upright, wholeheartedly devoted to God, and then in right relationship with one another. Verse, verse 9, then his wife said to him, now she's not handling it well. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? But he said to her, so, so now we get a glimpse of her. Don't be too hard on Mrs. Job. She lost her kids. She lost her home. She's lost her possessions. And now she's watching her husband suffer. 
Her, her statement even shocked Job. You just see it in the language. You speak as one of the foolish women. And he's not saying you sound like yourself. Shall we receive good from God and shall not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Scripture never says that she worshipped. We don't know how it turns out for her. No matter how hard it is for you. When you're in a perfect storm, when you're in a crisis, you have to worship. We think the worst thing that can happen to us is to experience pain. That is not the worst thing. Actually, the worst thing that can happen to us is not to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Because as believers, we know there's coming a day when there'll be no more perfect storms, no more pandemics, no more recessions, no more hurt, no more pain, no more crisis, no more tragic deaths, no more cancer. No more, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more death. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, went through pain and suffering on the cross. And when we, when we accept his death, like my friend Phil and many of you, when we accept his death, it's a free gift. And he forgives us of our sin and he gives us the promise of eternal life. And regardless if we live 70 or 80 or 90 years on this earth, that's just brief. It's momentary compared to eternity. And you may be wondering, where is that verse that like Job was like, even though? The SV would phrase it, though he. But it's in Job chapter 13. He says, though he slay me, even though, I will trust him. I started wondering, is there anybody else in the scriptures? that lived an even though life. Surely there's another one. Remember King David? King David wasn't perfect. He wasn't without sin. But he's a man after God's own heart. He was whole, wholehearted, devote, devoted follower of his. And he was an even though person. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even though. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and let me just ask you. What is God saying to you and what decisions that you need to make? You may be in person in this room, in the family room, or over in the theater. You may be watching online. Live or on demand does not matter to us. What is God saying to you? There is something worse than walking through pain, and that is not knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 
Maybe today would be the point where you'd say, you know what, I'm going to cross over that line. And I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins, come into my life, forgive me uh, my sins, and give me the gift of eternal life. And I'm going to trust him. Just going to trust him. You may have already done that. And you may be a believer. And you know what? Right now you're living in a what-if world. And your anxiety is raging. Your worries are raging. Your fear is raging. It's causing relational problems and everything else. And maybe you, this day, you need to be reminded that as, as Christ's followers, we are even though people. We are even though people. And maybe you need to make some statements right now to yourself, even though this happens. God, I'm going to trust you. Even though it goes down like this, I'm going to trust you. Even though. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your grace. Father, we thank you that you're close to the brokenhearted. And thank you that we can be even though people and trust you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just stand with me, please, for the benediction? And Let me just tell you, if you've made a decision of any sort, we want to know about that. There's a few ways you can in person the QR code, or we have old school cards and pens that are disinfected and safe out in the welcome center, and you can fill out a card and drop it in a deposit box that hangs in, on the walls of the hallway going out or in this room. Uh, maybe you're, maybe you're currently you're watching online live or demand. If you're watching live, then you can click live prayer. Prayer partner is going to meet you in a virtual room, and they're going to pray with you and help you. Uh, if it's on demand, then you can click uh, connect card and you can fill out that card let us know that you've accepted Christ and maybe just maybe you'd like to follow him in believers baptism if that's you we would love to would love to help you may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and this week May you know the peace of Christ as you walk, even though. God bless you. Thank you for being here this weekend.